Hi everyone and welcome back to the Paveless Movement YouTube channel. Today I talk to Lane Shackleton. So Lane, thank you very much for being on the show. It's really exciting to talk about Coda because I know a lot of people in my audience look at Coda. We have obviously the big elephant in the room. Notion, haha, you got this, Evernote is there as well, of course. And um, this is what we will talk about as well, you know, the competition. But um, before we start, for those who don't know Coda, what is Coda all about? What can I do with this? Maybe you introduce yourself and Coda. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name's Lane. Uh, I lead the product and design teams at Coda and yeah, Coda is basically an all-in-one doc that blends the best of sheets, docs, spreadsheets, and applications. Uh, and the whole idea is basically someone can start with something really simple, like writing notes, collaborating with their team, writing a project brief, um, you know, more of those document-centric things. But then if the tool needs to, it can evolve to build, you know, a doc that can be as powerful as an app that can accomplish a specific workflow. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of the, I can give you, if you want kind of the background, like the observations that we started Coda with. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. If, if we go to the site, we see an uh, introduction there that all started with docs. And in the end, it's always the same in the background. And I was talking with the CEO from Todoist about this as well. I mean, in the mm -hmm. end, we have databases in the, in the backend. It's always about... <laughs> how we present them in the front end and how we connect it together in the most efficient way for the people to use and so on. So it's really interesting. What was actually the challenge you had or actually the problem you wanted to solve with uh, Coda? And yeah, yeah, we go with this. Yeah, I mean, the, the company basically started with two main observations. The first observation is that, um, like you said, docs and sheets kind of run the world. So, you know, there are lots of apps out there. There's an app for everything. Uh, you know, there are all types of niche applications, but at the end of the day, if you go and talk to someone on a Wednesday, we're talking on a Wednesday, you know, and say like, how, how does the work actually get done? They'll end up pulling up, you know, tons and tons of tabs that are full of docs and sheets. And, you know, and, and so the observation behind that is that people, you know, defaults back to the flexible tool. So there are a bunch of tools, you know, a bunch of specific apps that have uh, their way of doing something, but oftentimes people end up exporting from those tools and doing it their own way, or they want something a little bit further than that app delivers. And so they end up going back to the more flexible version. So World Runs on Docs and Sheets is sort of one piece of this, but you know, I think a corollary to that is that docs and sheets haven't really changed fundamentally in 40 years. Like if you go look at WordStar and VisiCalc and some of these early uh, programs in this space and you put them next to Excel and sheets, it's basically the same updated UI, move to the cloud, but you're still dealing with like the same primitive. So as an example of what I mean by that, you know, a12 means something to a spreadsheet user. Mm. It's, you know, as Brett Victor would say, it's playing computer in your head. It says triangulate this value. We call it battleship coordinates, triangulate mm. this value in the spreadsheet. But to a human, those things mean nothing, right? Um, or they shouldn't have to mean something. Unfortunately, mm. they do. And so, you know, that's an example of a primitive that, that hasn't really changed all the way back from when VisiCalc was an accounting software to you know, someone working on a team in a spreadsheet today. And so, you know, the, the whole idea behind this was like, what if we started from scratch? What if we didn't have to worry about backward compatibility? What if we, you know, just, just sort of invented from the start? So that's sort of the first observation. Second observation is that, um, you know, in every family, in every team, uh, in every organization, there are a set of organizers that are really, really important. So in a family, this might be the person who, you know, plans the, the family trip, um, in a team, this might be the person who organizes meeting notes or your goals or OKRs or something like that. Um, in an organization, you know, they might run broader people processes, et cetera. So the, the kind of concept here is that these makers end up being the people that like organize everything. And so these are really important folks and we should, we should really serve them um, well. 
And if you step all the way back, you know, I worked on YouTube actually for a long time. Um, all of these are instances where a gatekeeper gets removed. So in the case of YouTube, it was like the studio exec no longer has to okay the show. Tom can make the show about productivity and put it out there to the world, get a bunch of subscribers and people watch and it's cool. Um, and in our case, I think, you know, the equivalent is, um, you know, people no longer have to ask software engineers to help them automate a process or, you know, build something that feels application-like, that feels powerful uh, without, you know, um, writing, writing code in some instances. So the, the idea here is that Coda is just a part of a longer arc that we end up calling uh, the maker generation where these people play a really central role. Yeah. I 100% agree. I really like this mindset already behind this because um, people follow me. They know my saying, we should start leveraging the digital world and start instead of just living in it. And I think um, there are so many things popping up. Like when I talked to Ian Small, the CEO from Evernote, we talked about tags and only 2% of the users are actually using tags. And I said, oh, I think about this. It's not because people not using it because it's not useful. It's just because they don't have the thinking. We transitioned from paper notebooks to a digital world. So if we have something like the iPad and the Apple Pencil, people convert much easier to nowadays to the digital world mm. because they can keep their workflows. But now mm. I think it's on us to show them what else we can do in the digital world to really step up the game. So I really like this approach to yeah. rethink And, and, and really start from scratch. And what I hear about this, yeah, that's all about spreadsheets and docs and so on. I agree, people go back to this. But I think, and I, I hear already that you agree, but maybe you don't, so you let <laughs> me know. <laughs> it's all about connecting or structuring the documentation and the spreadsheets in the right way. So it's actually efficient to find the information because what I see all over again and again and again and something that i teach in my inner circle membership as well is um, how to find information there's no point taking notes the whole day and then in the end of the day you don't know what you actually collected there or where to find it and you start struggling once you use it once you need it so maybe you can tell uh, us a bit more about how you actually structure documents and spreadsheets or how it's built up in coda Yeah, I think that's, um, I agree with a lot of that, uh, those observations. I mean, I, I think for us, part of what all in one means is it means that you can take something that traditionally has been disconnected. So in the case of a doc, like I, I was a product manager at, at YouTube and, and Google for a while, I would write a doc and I would link to that doc from a spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet, if you think about this sort of fundamentally, the spreadsheet has no knowledge of what's in that doc. Mm. And, and so what you would see is you'd see a lot of different artifacts of this, this kind of like fundamental disconnect between these two things. As an example, I would keep a task, you know, a set of tasks for my team in a spreadsheet, but there was no context around the tasks. And so you had, you know, engineers, designers, et cetera, wondering now, why am I doing this again? Um, and one simple thing when you put those two things together is that it, everything's sort of like one click away. Um, so, you know, the tasks are in one page and then one click up is why we're doing it. What's the press release that we think we're going to write to users? You know, like what, how are we benefiting people's lives uh, by, by shipping this? Okay, now you can go back to there's a, there's a laundry list of bugs that we got to go fix and things like that. But, you know, when you sort of break down the walls of, these things have, you know, have to be disconnected just because someone made the choice that these are going to be three separate programs instead of one. Uh, I think you go a long way. Now, what you said about structure is really important. So I think one of the things that we talk a lot about and think a lot about is blending what you get from databases and structured data with unstructured data. And so lots of fun instances of this in the gallery. Um, one of my favorites, just like a, a small one is, you know, a team's going through a naming process or trying to figure out what to call their YouTube channel, what to call their product, whatever it is. Um, you know, they can take a table of names and then they can take that name 
and put it in a bunch of different sentences with a formula, let someone pick that particular name and then see how each name is going to play out in all these sentences. So like that's a really concrete and specific example of blending, you know, a database with the canvas. But I think, you know, more and more instances of this blended, um, you know, writing surface with kind of the structure of a database becomes incredibly important as a team. One of our kind of classic use cases is a project brief where a team starts by writing a brief mm. and then, you know, they go, they have a meeting about it. And so their meeting notes are in the same place as their project brief. And then after that, you know, some days later, they decide we get, we better start writing down our tasks and better start designing and making things. And so all of that being in one spot by its nature, the team now goes to one link instead of like six different links. Um, yeah. So sort of back to the, the mini tabs. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, something that we think a lot about. Yeah. Uh, a lot of great things that we can talk about now, the, the things that you just mentioned here. And what comes to my head right away is the word or the, the phrase single source of truth. That is something that I'm praying or preaching all of the over the time praying as well <laughs> that people <laughs> will do. But uh, this is really the hard thing. When when it comes to single so, uh, source of truth, we have different approaches there. I had a client, he was taking notes the whole day, all right, mm -hmm. from different meetings. He was a project manager of several projects. And then in the end of the day, he had one hour where he sat down and processed the notes and Yeah. created a task out of it and so on. I just said him to him, why don't you take the notes on the place where, where they belong to? I mean, that's when, I, when I'm team coaching and so on. I always say, find tool, and it doesn't matter what tool you actually use nowadays. Mm. All of them have the same mm. uh, principles, more or less with different feature sets. I mean, for example, if you use Asana, it's very basic, the commenting and the description. But if you're using something like Coda, Notion, ClickUp, you have much more rich content that you can add there. But in, 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 in the end of the day, it's the method behind it. You go into the meeting and you take the notes directly on the task, what was discussed and so on. So you just mentioned this as well, you start there. And I'm working uh, in, in big industry for seven years now uh, with 300,000 employees in there. And we still get emails of meeting minutes And I think that's so pointless, these things. They end up in an archive uh, of, the in, of the email program because you just had the email, uh, the meeting. And everybody has it still fresh in their minds, so no need to read the meeting. And then you start searching for this. So absolutely with you, um, we need to have something like this. But talking about single source of truth, we come to the next thing and the next issue, which is the all-in-one solution. So we have one uh, app to rule them all, yeah? And um, this is something where it becomes complicated, I think. If you have something like Todoist, which is very specialized, they can really focus on certain um, functionalities. So how do you tackle this? What is too much? What is too less? Is there any um, framework or bounders uh, that you want to stay in with your application? Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe touch on the thing you said before. I think that relates to something that we think a lot about as well, which is we think that people should shape shape their tools and shape their workflows and not the other way around, right? Um, and if you think about a lot of kind of enterprise software, it is the application developer who has no idea what you, your specific needs are, has no idea of the context of your team, is building something, and they're building something that's lowest common denominator across thousands of teams, right? And so in many ways, I think part of why we're trying to blend these things that traditionally don't get blended, application like things, buttons and automations and tables and things like that, is so that people can craft the tool that suits their team instead of the other way around. So mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with, um, I mean, maybe that's a different take on, on where you were headed. Yeah, especially in the I big industries or the big inter enterprises, there's usually a good salesperson of the tool and they sell it and then you have to apply it and it does, just doesn't fit into your team or whatever. And yeah, I can absolutely relate to this. Sorry, yeah. carry on. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, 
I think that's that's in many ways like the the story of software and, and businesses. And so I think our our aspiration is that someone comes in, thinks thinks holistically about how they want a team to run, how they want a process to run, and then is able to like shape the tool. A great example of that would be um, a friend of ours, uh, Yuki, runs uh, product, the product team at Figma, which is a design tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one of the first things that he did was ke- came in and said, like, there's this meeting bunch of people don't like the meeting because they're just sharing status updates. Uh, can we just make this a doc? And so the doc is basically an explan- explanation of the meeting and then you know a, a table with everyone's updates. And then uh, now instead of like everyone kind of hating the meeting, the, the key action he built this meeting around or this doc around was basically that you could heart updates, right? Like there's a little button and it's heart. And then there's next to the heart is a question. So you can, you can either say, this is great, or you can ask a question. And now we've kind of like, I think he shrunk the meeting down to, you know, 15 minutes instead of an hour. So he's, he's saving people time. And at the same time, He's making it interactive and fun, and that's that's like a concrete example of when you know you can shape the tool versus you know just plotting away and writing only meeting notes. So there are options in Coda. So there are options in Coda to add gamification. Then in this case, yeah, and and reactions like those types of reactions actually we're we're building out kind of a next version of it right now um, because it's just been really interesting to see what makers do with with you know, simple icons that you can react to, but then use in a structured way. So you yeah. can do things like say, you know, I want to count the number of reactions that this this particular button had. So a very classic one in our in our meetings and in many of our customers is, you know, people will lay out a proposal and then they'll have a sentiment tracker, which is basically, how do you feel about this proposal? And so if you think about like the today construct, the today construct is, you listen to the highest paid person in the room talk about your proposal in front of 30 other people. And I think one awesome artifact of, you know, this, this sort of different behavior of sentiment trackers is you just go in the meeting, you say, read the proposal and then add your sentiment. People add, you know, one through five smiley faces or whatever reaction icon you want. And then they write, here's what I think about it. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. And I think this is a really, you know, that's like an example uh, of, of being able to sort of get a more inclusive view of the world. You know, you're going to find out that that person who wasn't going to speak up in that meeting is going to say, I don't like this proposal because it, you know, it can't contradicts this other thing that I'm trying to do. And you never would have known that um, yeah. or you would have, you know, maybe heard about that a different way or later or something like that. Um, so we're a little bit off on a tangent here. Yeah, but, but I love um, this. Yeah, that that's that's a completely new aspect when we look at all the tools we have. I mean, we have something that is already very powerful, and that I also recommend to use is the the thumbs up button in many uh, task managers and so on, where you can say to the comment, "Okay, I like this," or actually that you let them know that you saw the comment. That's that's the important yeah. thing. So you can yeah. give quick feedback without writing anything yeah and this goes the same direction with a further step and me as a business analyst i love data and i already see all the kpis that can build up from this and you know also finishing the the meeting and say okay now everybody can give thumbs up thumbs down i can reflect myself as the presenter if it was good or not and things like that so yeah really like that very powerful so this is this is coming I'll, g- I'll give you another example. Actually, oh, yeah, you can do ahead. that today. So there's a bunch of drag and drop templates in the in the app today. So if you do slash polls. Oh, yeah, the slash, voting. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you right. You can basically just drop those in. I'll give you a, a, a sort of simple example since you mentioned it. Um, like one of my favorite buttons uh, to add to docs is just a mark is red button at the bottom. So like if you think about oftentimes what happens, you send out a doc that has a proposal in it and you're sort of like, you send it out and then you wait, right? And it's yeah. like, what, like who, who's going to start commenting? Who's read it? Who hasn't? Um, or you get into the meeting and you say, who's read the proposal? And you sort of look for the show of hands or whatever, <laughs> um, which is seems a little antiquated. So, so one of the buttons or drag and drop templates that you have in the app today is just a very simple Marcus Red button. So what happens is people read it. 
it says push this button if you've read it you push the button and then a list of people shows up you know who, who's read it and uh and these little things transform the way meetings work you know they transform the way that people operate and it's it's awesome to come into a meeting and say look you know we got 20 people in this meeting 15 people have read this let's get going uh, we got sentiment here. And then the other one that's very commonly used is what we call Dory. It's named after the fish and Finding Nemo that, that asked all the questions. Uh, and that one's basically let people write a bunch of questions and then you can upvote which question is most important, right? And this, yeah. I think, is another like, you know, just a behavioral shift in a meeting. So instead of listening to questions as they come up, instead of getting disruptive questions in a meeting, et cetera, what you end up seeing is people, you know, the most important question that the group believes rises to, rises to the top because people can upvote questions, just like yeah. sort of simple yeah. mechanics there. Uh, and so then you end up saying like, we're gonna, you know, oftentimes you don't have time to get to all the questions, but hey, we're gonna take all of those with over five votes and we're gonna get to those. And then all the other ones I'm gonna answer, you know, after the meeting. Yeah, I really like this, especially the upvoting, because something I also recommend is that you have a Kanban board or whatever, or just simply a list where everybody can just fill in their questions that arise. If you have a weekly meeting, for example, instead of daily, then they can fill this up and then you can work on this. Have you, having a voting, you can prioritize so you can get through this in the same time. So this is, this is really a good thing. And, you know, I wanted to compare it to Notion and talk a bit about this. And I had already the feeling it's not really fair for Notion to talk about code. <laughs> I mean, one of the big things that I keep complaining about Notion is really the lack of um, automations and APIs. Yeah, now they try to bring something up. Let's see what they bring up there. But this is something um, where I then where I'm not happy seeing all these courses arising and saying you have this one and all solution. You can do everything with Notion. And yes, you can do some uh, task dependencies. You just have to work two hours in order to implement them. So this is just, you know, the, there goes my efficiency. And uh, this is in Coda. I think the big difference is really that you have a lot more integration features and automation features um, uh, automation out, out of the box inside Coda, but on the other hand, also integrations with other tools, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a, a key for us. Um, uh, so I think there, there's probably three things worth mentioning there just to kind of like pull apart the space and we can talk about whichever one you want. So there's, yeah. there's automations yeah. inside the doc. I can basically have a trigger and an action so, you know, on Monday morning, I have, an, I have a personal doc that on Monday morning, email me this at 9am. It's basically, you know, how I think about how my week should go. Um, on Friday, email me again, let me check in on how that went, right? Like that's a simple kind of contained automation set up with a trigger and an action. It's all based around the doc. Mm -hmm. The second thing uh, is, is PAX, which is basically our integration framework, and I'm happy to Go, go deep on packs if it's interesting. The, the general, the, the sort of quick version of packs is basically, we think that you should be able to pull data in, in a very sort of Coda native way. So you should be able to drag your calendar in and see all of your events, you know, just like a calendar and, and sort of keep it up to date. That's the data in part. And that, that includes, you know, if you're running a retail business, Shopify, or if you're running a customer-based business intercom or, you know, a bunch of different providers there. But importantly, we recognize that things don't just happen inside the doc. There's context around the doc that's really important, Slack, email, et cetera. And so some of our most used integrations uh, on the PAC side, at least, are pushing data out. So I want this update to go to the team at 9 a.m. I'm going to send it as a Slack message. I'm going to let people subscribe to either Slack or email. They can get it however they want. Um, or I want to, you know, take a, a set of events that I have on my calendar, do some manipulation on those, uh, and then go out and just push one button and have that schedule a bunch of events on calendar. So I think recognizing that there's a data in component and a data out was sort of one fundamental piece of PAX. And we have a really exciting future on PAX um, that I'm, uh, I can talk about too. 
The, and then the last piece is um, the API and Zapier. So basically we built the API uh, that was at heavy request of customers, very much recognizing that we want Coda uh, you know, to be a place where you trust your data and you can house it. And then of course that means being able to get it out and, and, and write it into other tools, internal systems, et cetera, that we don't know about. Um, and then that basically was an enabler for us to go out and build the Zapier integration. Zapier is an amazing tool. We have an amazing partnership with, with Zapier. Um, and you know, Wade and team have published docs on how they run their staff meeting on Coda, um, which is actually really cool. Check that out in the gallery. Um, so th those are sort of like the three, I think, components of, of how we think about automation and, and yeah, APIs. Yeah, th thank you very much for um, putting these apart. So uh, this makes much more sense. Um, but looking at Zapier, that's that's really something where I always think if I'm a, a SaaS and I'm creating a new tool, I would focus on getting an API to Zapier. Because if people really want to have an automation in some way or form, um, then Zapier is the easiest way. I mean, we have integral mod and all these other things as well. But at least you have a very common thing. So as, as uh, the company and the tool, you have already a much wider audience. I actually teach to my uh, Inner Circle members as well the iCore framework. That's a framework that I developed, which is uh, for, stands for Input, Control, Output, Refine, which are mm. the different parts of a productivity system. Because as I mentioned before, I don't like these, um, I have a method for you, but you have to use this tool in order to uh, mm. apply it. And the iCore framework is about learning the different parts. And as I mentioned in the beginning about note-taking, this is actually the only, the, the input part. And so many people are stuck in this input part and they don't know how to do the rest and they, they, they struggle through the things. So this is how I try to connect this. So either people find one tool to cover all these different parts. And when I look at Coda, um, I see all the parts covered, isn't it? So I can certainly input things. Um, then I can control it. We will dive into this now next um, with databases. I want to talk about this next. And then we have the output part, which is task management, time management, and so on. You also mentioned you can bring in the calendar. You have some task management tools. And then we have the refine part, and you certainly have a lot of, um, to offer there when it comes to the to the blocks and the APIs and so on. So um, maybe you want to um, talk a bit more about the blocks because it sounded like that there's more that you want to share. And then let's dive into the database. Yeah. So you want me to dive deeper into packs or you want me to uh, packs, not blocks, sorry. Kind of packs. Yeah. Yeah. Packs. Um, yeah. Packs. Um, so just to go a little bit deeper on the context, uh, and then I'll go a little bit of where we're headed. I mean, packs, if you, if you sort of break them apart even further, it's an authentication mechanism. So, you know, two clicks and you should be authenticated to your calendar, to Intercom, to Shopify, to whatever service it is. And then it is a set of raw building blocks. And what I mean by that is if you think of, I guess, let's take a, a little bit of a step back. So if you think about you're trying to integrate two tools together, there are two ways to do that. One is that you hope that two tools do the integration that you want. You hope that you know, Jira does the integration that you want with Asana. Mm. Um, and if they don't, you don't have much recourse. You have to go ask some of these companies to, to do the integration differently. So that's one option. The other option is that you, you learn to write code, right? Like you, you're a JavaScript developer, yeah. you're a Python developer, and, and you, under, you understand how to build an auth client. And then you understand how to build, um, you know, sort of inputs and outputs with methods on an API. And so the conceptual thinking that went into PAX was, okay, can we just take both of these things and make them really simple for anyone to use? Okay, the authentication thing, you know, we should basically make sure that you're comfortable with the authentication that we're giving the stock. Okay, and then the second piece is, instead of having you peruse a giant API stock with all the things that you can do with a service, can we just take some of the common actions, you know, if you're looking at Slack's API, a common action is going to be send a Slack message. 
and package that up in a way that you can just drag off a button that says send a Slack message and then configure it by saying what message do you want to send and what to which channel, right? Um, so it's really taking the raw building blocks of some of these APIs and giving them to people inside of a surface that they're used to and familiar with and making them configurable without having to write JavaScript, um, which is what I think make, makes PACs really um, unique. So, you know, some, some artifacts of that construct is instead of having just one integration to a doc, you can have like multiple integrations. You, you can start to compose these services onto each other. So you can bring in to use your framework a little bit. You can bring in a set of inputs. You can bring in your customer data. You can do some manipulation on that. And then you can send it out to what, wherever your internal team consumes that, right? Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, you can send it out as an update that's structured that says, here's, you know, our goal for the week customers wise. And here are the three customers that are going to contribute. And that's always sort of up to date. Um, and it's going out in email form and you don't, you've automated all of that, right? Um, so that, that I think is sort of one core, you know, core conceptual thing that is important to understand about PACs. Um, if it's interesting, I can talk about where we're headed with PACs. Yeah. So, uh, let's stay there for a moment. Okay. It is. It is nice. I mean, I love things like this. Uh, I always say if there's a recurring task, I need to automate it. If it is, if it is not automated, I have to make a task to actually automate it. <laughs> okay, never mind. But uh, <laughs> so I have no problem with this. But for the normal user, hmm. how complicated is it? I'm, I'm talking about the whole coder setup. Um, it is already also things like ClickUp and so on. They're very complex tools nowadays. So really, people need to be trained. But at, uh, there's still a framework which is very structured. Coder is a canvas. I can start from scratch and I have to have the idea. So how do you tackle this? Do you have consultants helping to implement this and, and things like that? Maybe we go more in this direction that you can talk more about this. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's two things I would say there. The first is we realized really early on that seeing what other people created was going to be important. It was going to be important for inspiration. It was going to be important to see if you wanted to kind of poke behind the hood and say like, oh, you did that crazy automation. Like, can I just click on the configuration of that and see, you know, what that button actually does um, and learn the pattern and apply it. So, you know, this, this idea of templates has been central from the very beginning. And so, that started as like sort of full docs. And then more recently, the observation was, you know, a lot of cases you've already started by writing the project brief, or you've already started your meeting notes and you just want to drag in some of these compositions. So the ones that we talked about where you just want to drag in the sentiment tracker just on your proposal after you've written it. Um, more complex ones might be, I want to use one of these integrations, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't want to have to worry about all the crazy configuration. So I just want an email a page is like a, a classic example that our customers do a lot. There's a drag and drop template where you can say like email a page and then you input the email address and then you input the page and it's all set up for you, right? So these things have already been composed for you. So you really don't have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. I think that's a, that's a sort of really important piece the other thing I would say is remixing, just to stay on that for one more second, remixing becomes really important. So an example, you know, we talked about Yuki and the way he runs the product team at Figma. Interestingly, a bunch of product teams have picked up that doc and said, you know, that's not exactly what the way that we want to do it, but we're going to do it this slightly different way. Um, so Zach at Brex, you know, is another big company in the United States. And, and he remixed it to do, you know, a slightly different version. There are countless other product teams that have now adapted that really, you know, good foundation to their own companies. And so I think that, you know, as we think about having to learn Coda, one aspect is like being inspired to come into the tool and say, wow, you can actually do that. And then the other piece is adapting, you know, that inspiration to what you, what you want to do. So that's sort of one whole bucket. The other, since you mentioned kind of consultants and people helping out, we certainly have a, an ecosystem growing up around us, 
and and that's really exciting. Like I I worked on AdWords um, a long time ago, a decade ago, and uh, and one of the most exciting things about AdWords was was starting to see an ecosystem of you know search engine marketers grow up around the tool, and they were a, they became an increasingly important constituency. And so I think you know my my guess is we're going to start to see exactly the same thing here. You know, we already have a bunch of makers on our community who are helping people all the time. They're incredible at what they do. Um, you can ask any question on the community and you're guaranteed to get uh, a really robust response. Um, and, and also, you know, sort of looking ahead, we have more and more people who are actually making money by doing this, right? And, and using it as a vector for doing broader consulting and saying like, you know, you have this idea for how this process should work, this workflow should work. I can build you that in Coda and I can sort of, you know, sell, sell my own service, my own perspective on top of that. Um, that to me is awesome. Like, I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's similar to what we saw at YouTube as well. Like people, you know, uploading videos and then, and this is back a long time ago, 2006, 2007, um, you know, uploading videos, not sure what's going to happen. And then suddenly we start sending them checks and, and now they think, oh, I can actually make money from this. There's something interesting here. Um, eventually I can quit my day job. Eventually, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to share my passion with the world. Um, and so we have a lot of passionate makers who I think are on a very similar trajectory with, with Coda. Yeah. Uh, I see it the same way. I mean, there's so much potential and, um, the the thing about Coda now, and we compare it with Notion. Notion is a lot of hype, in my opinion, and uh, a lot of people are using it, maybe because it's easy to grasp and so many are already using it. And there's a l huge community around this. I mean, there's not one student channel not talking about Notion. And Coda is somewhat in the background. It's just my personal feeling still. But I think I just... Uh, saw that you know you've been um sponsored or you you raised money isn't it and you're going to the next level now with coda and all this i'm really yeah looking forward for what else to come to coda right now and one thing that is really the, the difference is what about applications i mean coda is only web-based isn't it so there's no, uh, I mean, there's an iOS uh, application. Yeah, there's an iOS. Yeah, that, that's right. So I can actually create my apps with this, but there's no Mac, um, Mac app or anything like this. Is this planned or maybe you have a different perspective on this and the browser is actually the future um, productivity system? <laughs> I'm not saying what I think about this. Yeah. Yeah, we could we could go, uh, we could go deep on, on browsers. Um, I mean... I guess sort of two things to say here. One is that, you know, docs are, docs travel really well in a browser and people are used to docs and, and sheets traveling well in a browser. And so I think that's why we started there. Thanks to Google. We've seen tons <laughs> of success there. Um, and, uh, and, you know, like you said, we have an iOS and an Android app as well. Um, I think, you know, not philosophically opposed to a desktop app by any means, um, just hasn't been top of our priority list. I think we, we've prototyped it a handful of times. I, I expect us to build that. Um, uh, one of the things that we, we sort of stacked ahead of it was performance. So, yeah. um, we, we, you know, I can talk about the roadmap too, but, uh, oftentimes there's, there's a discussion on like, will a des desktop app help us get faster? Um, and, and so we, we've been, you know, really invested in performance lately and starting to roll out a bunch of updates there. Um, but yeah, no, no philosophical opposition to, to, to desktop apps or anything. Um, think the browser is sort of the familiar place for docs and sheets. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, it's great that you have an iOS or iPhone version and Android version and so on. Um, because this is really where it becomes um, difficult to use a browser in order to run the app, but, um, I don't see really the big advantage of these native Mac apps and windows applications, mm -hmm. because I have the feeling, I mean, looking at ClickUp and so on, they become slower. You have a different set of, if you don't, I mean, <laughs> you know, they're better than me, but it is essentially, you can do 
either a native app really or just a web application running in a canvas or in a framework in the app, isn't it? So I think it just brings another layer of support and issues that you raise with this. Yeah, let's 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 go away from this now. But I want to talk about the databases. Um, this is something that why that's the reason why I started having you using Notion, and um, it is the connection between the different databases. So let me give you an example. I have a people's dat database where you know all the people's inspiration, research, collaboration, and so on. I can put into one database. And then I have a videos database and I put in all the YouTube videos that I watched and then I simply pull up the, the person, you know, running this channel and they are connected. So whenever I look at the person, I see all the videos coming up. When I look at this video, I see obviously the person running this. So this is uh, just in a nutshell. And I know we can do related databases on Coda as well. But what about backlinks? <laughs> this needs to be covered because backlink is the new word of 2021 isn't it it was already in 2020 but it will be if you if you don't have a backlink in 2021 then you are out okay what's uh, what's you your opinion on that what's what's your opinion <laughs> on that blame rome research for that <laughs> i mean from a technical point of view it's not that difficult to implement backlinks isn't it because it's already there the information what is connected with each other is already there so you have mentions on coda isn't it i can mention another page so what's the point not giving me the backlink on the other end when you when you say backlink i just want to make sure i understand what, what's in your head is, is i'm not talking about backlinks, backlinks in seo <laughs> sorry again is um just what's in your head is it like Is it Rome's version of backlinks? Is it Notion's version of backlinks? Is it something else? Oh, I'm talking about Notion and Rome research backlinks, which is both the yeah. same, or what's the difference? Um, well, I, I guess I'll tie it back to the lookup thing first, and then we'll come back to yeah. backlinks. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think you hit it like right on the head in the first first part. Like, basically, you know, relational databases and making those more accessible is, turns out to be really important. You, you know, you're an investor, you have a list of people and you have a list of companies, you're a YouTuber, you have a list of videos and a list of people. Um, there's always some relation between these things. And so I think, you know, the start of Coda really focused on this idea that like, not only databases are important, but the linkage between these two databases are important and being able to pull context across them is really important. So one way that you do that in, in Coda is you have a lookup column You can just choose, hey, I want you know the videos table to look up from the people table, and um, and then you know I can easily sort of link those two things, and then on the videos table you can do what we call project out. You can basically take data from the people table and sort of place it on the videos table. So it's it's sort of functionally possible to do that, and you see that in a lot of a lot of docs in our gallery. Um, in terms of sort of backlinks and I think one of the unique insights it, it seems from some of the Rome's work and um, to some degree notions work is is just this idea of making it automatically possible to find connections across information and so that's something that we've thought about a bunch and um, have a bunch of prototypes on uh, and something that I expect we'll, we'll get to um, and in particular I'm talking about connections that you might not have seen otherwise. Um, so lookup tables are where, you know, there's a there's a concrete structure. Um, in this case, I'm talking about, you know, you're talking about a specific YouTuber and somewhere else in this doc, there's a mention of that particular YouTuber. It's completely unstructured and you want to see it in context of what you're doing, what you're doing now. Um, I think we have some unique approaches to this um, mm -hmm. when we get to it. We're not actively working at it right now. Um, but I expect we'll get to some version of this connected data. Just want to be clear here. What I, why I was mentioning the database connection and the backlinks in the same context. Mm. In Notion, I can connect the databases and then I can mention uh, items from the database in my block of text. So in yeah. line. And this means I connect my text and my notes 
with the database information. And I'm not, you know, I'm not really using the automatic um, graph mm. building thing from Rome Research. I'm using Rome Research as well in the test case for my uh, business where I write down all the meeting minutes. This is very interesting, actually, really, when you have the daily notes. That's really a good approach that you end up with, you know, you just take the notes and in the end you will find everything that you're looking for. That's a good thing. However, I'm more of the architect, I would say, rather than the gardener in this case. And I'm using Notion and building up these networks. And this is really the missing link in Coda for me because I really started using Coda and I really like the things. But this was the one moment when I thought, ah, it makes it hard to connect the dots. So um, I can make the databases and I can take notes, but I mean, I'm a perfectionist. That's really an issue. And I want to have everything connected. <laughs> so when I take notes, I, 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 I come always to the point where I don't take notes at all because I'm too afraid they are redundant in the end. So, yeah. So I think um, this is this is really the reason why backlinks so important. So, for example, when I write about my iCore framework, uh, I can go to my iCore framework and then I see all the nodes backlinked, the different pages that are coming up. So is this one thing that, which is what, which I saw the difference um, in Notion, I have one line which is essentially a page i can add there in the database and in code it's not a page it's it's a item with information so i can't press on it and i have a new doc or page out of this mm. is this anything you want to change in the future <laughs> come on you yeah, mentioned it on crazy, twitter crazy, it wasn't you crazy, on twitter but question. but coda mentioned it on twitter that uh, yeah 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 Maybe we will bring this up. So obviously, yeah, um, yeah. No, I can I can confirm that's something that that we're working on. Something that we we want to solve um, for sure. Um, I think we you know we may do it in a slightly unique way, but um, yeah, it's something that we we want to we want to solve. Um, mm -hmm. And going back to one of the things that you said, I think it is important to to recognize that like in the case where you have videos and people, um, you know, if you're right just writing meeting notes in the canvas and you want to mention one of those people, you can at mention one of those database entries, right? Yeah. And that way, whenever you go back and review those notes, like you can click on that person and see the full context of that person. Oh, all right, so I missed that out. Yeah, all right, okay. Yeah. The only thing that's, that's, that's sort of... Okay, then I take this back. It's already there, guys. <laughs> 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 For this reason, the most important thing is there. Yeah, it is, you know, it's, there are now these people like me coming up and saying, yeah, what about the, this and this and this? But I'm sure that the vast majority don't even scratch the surface of the things that you can do with these tools. And um, they just need a place to take notes. And um, yeah, I think that was a very interesting talk here. Um, I'm really excited. I mean, you are definitely on my list <laughs> of tools to watch, uh, as you might have uh, had the feeling as well. And I, uh, I can't wait to talk to you again, hopefully, later this year to see where, how far Coda came. <laughs> and if I switched, we don't know. Um, anything you want to share with the community before we close the interview? Um, yeah, Maybe. I mean, if it's useful, I'm, I'm happy to talk a little bit about like roadmap or yeah, any of the stuff. Absolutely. I mean, people would kill me if I said, tell you, oh, no, no, no. I mean, you are the first one in these interviews actually want to talk about the roadmap. And I see already the comment on it. Tom, shut up now. Let him talk. Okay. Just go ahead. Let us know what is, uh, what is coming to Coda. Yeah. I mean, so I guess two, two things to mention, like one is. I'm incredibly proud of how, how fast the team ships. Um, if you go to coda.io slash updates, the team is working overtime and working really fast. To how big is the team? Of, uh, we're about 95 people now. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the, it's a team and a tool that improves very fast. And mm -hmm. you can see lots of examples of that. If you go through the community, if you go to coda.io slash updates, you can see all the stuff that we 
we're shipping every day, just shipped forms, um, about to ship in the midst of shipping a lot of performance updates, which is really exciting. Um, so the, the three main themes I would just leave, leave you with uh, for roadmap. One is sort of foundational elements, and that's, that's piggybacking on my performance comment. Um, so people are doing crazy, interesting things in Coda every day, um, surprising all of us in the, in the best way possible. Uh, it's also you know, important that, that the tool scales with their expectations. Very large companies, very large data sets, um, you know, big docs. And so performance has been a big focus for us. Um, mm -hmm. Second thing is uh, what we call the simple cases. So, you know, Coda gets a lot of praise for being very powerful. We talked about automations, Zapier API, um, buttons, et cetera. Uh, one of the things that we want to do in 2021 is really nail those simple cases, meeting notes, project brief, you know, the written word in Coda needs to just be delightful and excellent and fast commenting, collaboration, sort of all of these have to be really good. And the, the basic idea behind that is we think we can do a great job at that. We can sort of win, win you know, more users with that. They can start to see some of the other powerful capabilities inside of Coda and start to trust it, that it can do you know, small things, simple things, meeting notes, et cetera, also powerful things. So that's, that's really core and key and look for a bunch of updates there. The third one's really exciting. It's basically, you know, dovetailing on our conversation about the ecosystem and packs. You know, we built packs with the idea that anybody should be able to build one. And to date, we've been building all the packs. Um, we have a, a really fast engineering team. That's great. But at the same time, you know, just like all platforms, when you start to open things up, they get really interesting. And you know, people build things that you didn't expect. They connect this to internal tools. They connect it to, to tools that you would have never in a million years thought of. Um, and so one of the things that we're working really hard on is taking this idea of packs, making it so that anyone can build them, and, and really growing an ecosystem around, around Coda beyond the one that is already you know, sort of blossoming with Zapier and the API um, and a bunch of our sort of core makers and partners. So, that to me is really exciting that that is like a, a next evolution and in, in platform you know you you get people yeah. making things that uh that really embed them differently in workflows which i think i'm excited about yeah. that is awesome i mean uh, the info about the packs makes really code are unique then i can't think of uh, other tools um, in this area that opens up this easy. And um, just one last note on this part as well. I mean, I was one of the guys in the big companies building their own tools because there was no proper solution. And this is what many companies, they have their IT department, so they start building something. And then, you know, it is not maintained the right way and things like this, so you got the aisles and you have to clean up stuff. Here, I think these people will be very happy. So I think there's also the potential that in these companies, you have people learning Coda and actually building this for their companies. So thank you very much. Uh, very excited about this. I will go back and figure that out and update my review. So I got some complaints in the comments below that I didn't dig too deep in this. Um, thank you very much for giving us these deep insights now into Coda and we surely see the difference now between Coda and Notion. I have to say it again, sorry. And can't see to see you next time. Awesome. Bye, glad thank you. Glad to come back. Thanks so much. <laughs>